Well, we are in um, 1 Corinthians, so go ahead and if you haven't already, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, man, I, this is, this is going to be a fun sermon. I'm really excited about this. It's different than, than any sermon I've ever given. I, I shared that a little bit earlier. As I was looking through chapter 2, what chapter 2 is, is it's a magnification of chapter 1. So, so we spent the time over the last few weeks to go through chapter 1. Now in chapter 2, we're going to kind of blow it up just a little bit and look at the details of it. And he's, Paul's going to repeat a lot of the same things that he said in chapter 1. So what I wanted to do was approach this subject and topic at it from a different angle and a different idea. And um, so that's kind of how we're going to be look, looking at this. Paul has been saying all along in this 1 Corinthians that... Quit looking for the wisdom of man, rather seek out God. You know, they wanted in Corinth, they wanted smooth, wise talkers, and God gave them demonstrations of, of power and the Spirit. There was an unbelievable, supernatural miracle happening, and they were too busy looking for platonic, sophisticated catchphrases that they were missing Jesus. They were missing the gospel. In the text, Paul mentions two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles or the Greeks. And the Jews were looking for a miracle, he says. And the Greeks or Gentiles were looking for man's wisdom. But both groups of people were missing everything, missing everything. So we're going to approach this scripture a little differently. And um, I don't have three points for you to write down today. I have one point. And so this sermon is going to be a little bit shorter than most of the sermons I give. No cheering, okay? No, just, don't, just hold it back. Yeah, Lucas, I saw that, Lucas. No, so, but, uh, but I think this is going to be really, really good for us. And here's the one point. I want you to say it after I say it. Don't miss the miracle. Ready? Don't miss the miracle. You're going to hear me say that all the time. Now, what we already know what the miracle is. What's the miracle? It's the gospel. That's what Paul's pointing to. It's not these supernatural uh, healings and different things the Jews were looking for. It's not this just, um, you know, wisdom of man and Socrates type idealism that philosophies that the, the Greeks were looking for, the Gentiles were looking for, that this amazing miracle is the gospel. And Paul's going to point it out over and over again for us. And I'm going to have you say, don't miss the miracle when I say it throughout this whole thing. So don't miss the miracle while looking for man's wisdom and don't miss the miracles happening right in front of us because we are looking for a different kind of miracle. Let's pray before we jump into 1 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, your word. Your word is life. Father, it, it cuts us deep. I mean, it separates bone from marrow. It, it pierces our hearts with truths that boggle our minds and, and change us. So, Father, we humble ourselves today. We bow at your feet. We recognize the cross of Christ, the sacrifice that was paid. And, Father, we give you all the glory and honor and praise. God, I pray that the gospel would come to life, that we wouldn't take for granted the miracle of the good news of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray you would use me in this moment, in this time. Give me the words to say that will glorify you. We give you all praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, And I 
When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You see, the church in Corinth, they wanted this lofty speech or wisdom. They wanted, they were wanting the church to look like the world. They're like, they're down in Corinth in the city square and they're hearing these philosophers talk about amazing, you know, sounding so wise as they philosophize and just talk back and forth with one another. They were called the sophists. It's where we get our word sophisticated. They were sophisticated. So they come to church and they were wanting the same thing. They wanted these, these preachers just to speak with, with eloquency and big words and and catchphrases they could take home that sounded really smart. For them and for us today, it's really important that we remember, that we remember what's going on underneath the proclamation of God's word. That the very spirit of God is active in your heart right now. That even now, as, as I'm sharing this that, that I've prepared over this week, I am completely dependent on God the Holy Spirit to do something miraculous with these notes that I have in this iPad. Like that, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without God doing something supernatural, all that I'm going to say right now would just fall to the ground, hollow, short, empty, and nothing. But in the power of God and the work of his Holy Spirit, it changes us. As we look into God's word and God does what only God can do, he brings it to life and he changes us. We can't miss that miracle every day as we hear the proclamation of God's word, as we open up God's word at home and study it in our quiet times, as we pray God's word and lift up our hearts and lay our hearts before him in prayer. As we sing songs here on Sunday mornings or, or even in our car that, that talk about the greatness and the goodness of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is in those moments. You know, it wasn't a long time ago. Well, I guess it is because I'm old. <laughs> but not so long ago, I would be in the car and I, I would think, God, how can I use this time best for you? And I stopped listening to, to all these, these old bands that I used to enjoy listening to. And I started listening to praise and worship radio. And then I started listening to sermons. I know I'm sounding like a pastor now. And even saying it out loud sounds, sounds kind of funny, you know, coming from, you know, the rock bands and touring and everything else. But, but now, now I listen to, to God's word is what I want to hear. Because what I found is that it breathes life into me. And it changes me. Because God, the Holy Spirit, is active in those things. Don't miss the miracle. Go ahead and say it. Don't miss the miracle. Paul is saying when he came to Corinth, he didn't give a great sermon. He wasn't like the sophists or philosophers. In fact, he says, he's shaking in his boots, weak and afraid. Now, this is interesting. Here's what they said about Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.10. It says this, For they say, his letters are weighty 
and strong, right? His letters are good. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. <laughs> Paul was right. Paul, Paul was totally right about himself. He, he was very self-aware. That's what they said. His bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. What he shared didn't sound smart or smooth or wise, but God used it because Paul was sharing what God wanted him to share. And it was on purpose that God would use a man like Paul, who was phenomenal with a pen, but not so phenomenal in presentation. It was on purpose for a purpose, and that was so that God would get the glory. In Corinth, it was philosophical expositions and deep thought-provoking questions. What is it we are looking for? What are we looking for? It's not in the poetry. It's not in the cunningness or production. It's not how we share creatively or how eccentric we get. It's what God decides to do with it. And that the presentation is a clear presentation of truth in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the spirit and power of God. That's what Paul says. When someone responds to the gospel, it is the spirit and power of God. Don't miss the miracle. So many people are looking for miracles today. I don't know if you've, you've watched you know, Christian television or read some of the bestsellers, the New York Times bestsellers. I have. And I, it's very troubling, actually. If you, if you actually go out into the Christian bookstores and find those number one sellers, it's actually really difficult to find a book that's actually Christian. Most of them are self-help um, just messes that are completely absent of biblical truth and the actual gospel or good news of Jesus Christ. We have entire denominations. So, so here I'm trying to, to put these two people groups together and kind of modify what's happening today, right? So we have groups of people that are, are looking for those, those amazing, smooth-talking, you know, catchy phrase wisdom guys. And then we have groups of people that are looking for the next miracle worker who's healing thousands of people. And so these, this is, it's still happening today. History's repeating itself. Paul's addressing it in Corinth, but we're seeing it all over America today. Denominations are built on these two groups of people. And Paul's saying, listen, it's not about this stuff. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ that the very creator God left heaven and he lived a perfect life that you and I could never live. And then he died a sinner's death that we deserved. And he rose the third day, conquering death and sin for you and me. This is the gospel. And this is Paul says, I, you know what? I just threw everything else out and I just decided to preach to you Christ and him crucified. That's the power of the gospel. That is the power of Jesus. 
I want to, I, I want to kind of really nail, nail this down. I want to say it this way. The greatest miracles God performs since Christ's resurrection is the miracle of salvation through the hearing of the gospel. Are you with me on this? Did you follow me? The greatest miracle God performs since Christ's resurrection is the miracle of salvation through the hearing of the gospel. Every other miracle is a band-aid. Salvation is a cure. I believe we will see revival again when the church seeks out and celebrates salvations as much as they are looking for signs and wonders, doctrinal sophistication, or better entertainment. That's what Paul is saying. You want all of this stuff. You want Jesus in a great production. You want Jesus in a guy who can just say amazing things. You want Jesus in a miracle. And Paul's saying it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Quit looking for all these other things. You're looking for all this other stuff and there's a miracle happening right now. There's a miracle that happens in the Holy Spirit's work right now. Don't miss the miracle. Say it. Don't miss the miracle. Let's move on. He, I'm going to move on in our text. This is just a real short part here. Paul says this, Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. You catch that phrase? You see where Paul's going with this? I love this. Paul is saying, Among the mature, we do actually impart wisdom. I mean, he's Paul saying, I'm not against wisdom. I'm not against like going deep. I'm not against going for this. But, but we share that with the mature. <laughs> you see, the church in Corinth was a little prideful. They had great philosophers there. They had some really smart guys. And the church there was no different. Very smart. In fact, one of the greatest preachers in the New Testament, Apollos, was there preaching. So there was this, you know, ooh, you know, we're pretty good. We got Apollos, you know, Paul's here every once in a while. We got this, you know, this guy, that guy. We, I mean, we talked about those guys last week. And they, they, had this, they had this air about them, a real hefty pride. So Paul's bringing them down to earth right here. I think Paul's inner Gordon Ramsay's coming out. You, ever, you know, that inner Gordon Ramsay said, listen, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Now, but he goes on, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So first of all, he's saying, listen, you're not mature enough to even hear this wisdom, and the wisdom you're, you're puffing yourself up on is wisdom that's going to kill you. It is wisdom that will end you. What does the wisdom of this age bring? Where do we end up after receiving or achieving this great enlightenment or wisdom of the age? Dead. It leads to death. Doomed to pass away. Verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. Now, here we go. A secret and hidden. We got to, if you want to underline that, circle that, put a star, highlight it, whatever. There's a secret and hidden wisdom. This is, this is it. This is the key. This is where Paul's laying it out, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. This is huge. Before the, the world began, before time, the good news of Christ was set aside for your life. The good news of Christ was set aside for your life. God knew what was going to happen, and he knew your name. He had things set aside for you. He had decreed them 
You are not an accident. You are not here by happenstance. The sovereign God of the universe has set your steps in place. What is the secret hidden wisdom? Let's keep looking in verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Oh man, this is, this is, I'm going to stop here for a second because there's a ton of really good stuff right here. This secret and hidden wisdom that we should be seeking out, that we are desperate for this supernatural, amazing is the revelation of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins. We share the testimony of Christ's work on the cross, the Spirit's work in our lives, and the Father's provision, and He does the work of bringing truth to life and bringing the dead and sinful to life. You know, Paul's quoting Isaiah 64, 4 here, and it, it is one of the most taken out of context verses I have ever heard. What is it that no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart ever imagined? What, what is it that God has prepared for those who love him? Is it just a, a deep bank account? Is it great health? I mean, what is... You know, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, heart can't even imagine. I mean, it's got to be the lottery, right? Or that Ferrari, right? I mean, no, it's the gospel. It's the good news. In Isaiah 64, 4, he's actually talking about what the, what the, the end result of salvation is, the good news. And what is the end result of salvation? Paradise. Heaven, it is an eternity set aside for us in right relationship with a creator God who loves us. This gospel, it is, this is so awesome that he quotes a scripture that is talking about eternity. Because we get caught up so much in the temporary. I mean, that's really what's happening, right? They're looking for miracles that are temporary because the real miracle is going to happen in eternity. They're looking for smart people. That's talk smooth and philosophies and every different thing. And the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Right now we see in part, but then we will see him face to face and know. I mean, we will know real wisdom. We will meet wisdom. Don't get caught up in the temporary things. This is amazing what Paul's doing. You're so deep. It's not an easy life. It's not what Paul's talking about. It's not what Isaiah's talking about in 64.4. It's not a life full of unicorns and rainbows. It's eternity where there's no more lying, backstabbing, pandemics, politics, or suffering. All of our questions and wondering will be answered in the, the turmoil of life replaced with perfect peace and living hope. We will be whole. Praise God. We will be whole, complete, and filled with joy unimaginable. Don't miss the miracle. Say it. Don't miss the miracle. Verse 10. These things 
God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. The miracle when we pick up our Bible, the miracle when we sing these songs, the miracle about the glory and the greatness of God revealed to us. All of these things apart from the power and indwelling of the Holy Spirit are meaningless and fruitless. But with the power and Spirit of God, they are life. They are building us up to be the people that God has called us to be. Paul is reminding the church in Corinth and us today, we aren't filled with the Spirit of this world. We are filled with the Spirit of God. This is so important for us because we are to be in the world but not of the world. We, we are worshiping something or someone 24-7. That's the way God created us. He created us to worship. We were created to worship God. There is, there is a gaping hole in every human being's heart that can only be filled by their creator. And so we can fill up our lives with, with anything, anything that's out there. Netflix, music, movies, entertainment, things, money, power. Our, our, our hearts are craving that, that satisfaction that joy, that there's a longing inside of us. That longing can only be filled by Christ. What is it that has your heart? Where is it, there's a, even a deeper question here for us. Where is it in our lives that we can set aside more of ourselves for him? Right? This gets really, really difficult because I, can, I can't stand up here and tell you what to do. You know, I can't tell you, to, you know, that you should be doing this, 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 and this every day. You have to go before the Lord and say, God, what, what in my life can I sacrifice? What am I feeding my soul that may not be the best thing to feed my soul? Right? What is it? I want to challenge you today as you go home, to pray that God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, would reveal those things to you. Mission View, we want to be a people that are passionately pursuing God. Not just on Sunday mornings, but on Monday mornings, Monday afternoons, Monday evenings, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, every day of the week, passionately pursuing God with all that we are. Paul's reminding the church in Corinth and us today, we aren't filled with the spirit of the world. We're filled with the spirit of God. Now, what I thought, when I thought about this, I was thinking, um, is there any a DC? Let's just do a, a poll really quick first. DC or Marvel? DC, hands up, okay? Me and you, Kenny. Oh, Josh, all right, buddy. Marvel, Marvel people. Uh, that's, you're okay. I like both. But anyways... As, uh, as my kids were growing up, we used to take vacations down North Carolina. 
And kids get a little bored in the car, so we got these little TVs, and the only DVDs I could find were the old Justice League cartoons. And so we would watch those, and, and so superheroes became really, you know, kind of a thing for our family. So Marvel came out, we did all those movies. Anyways, I thought of Green Lantern. You know, Green Lantern, he had this power ring. It's this power ring. And it, when he put this power ring on, he's like this superhero. He could do anything. He was just like, he could make things appear. You know, if you're familiar with Green Lantern. Without the ring, he was a loser. He was lost. He couldn't do anything. But with the ring, he could do anything. The kids are in here. That's why I'm using this analogy, just so you know. That's what it is for Christians today. We have the power ring. It's the Holy Spirit in us. And it's not, it's not a silly power ring. It's real. It's the real power of God. That's what Paul's talking about, kids. You have the power of God. When you pray and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in you. Verse 13, let's move on. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by that Spirit that lives in you, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. We are a spiritual people. Verse 14, the natural person does not accept the the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. There's that word we talked about last week again, foolishness. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. The world doesn't get it. That's what Paul's saying here. Have you ever gone out and shared the gospel with someone, a pre-Christian who doesn't know the Lord? I mean, we talked about it last week. It just doesn't make sense to them. It takes a miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to move on their hearts and and call them unto himself. That's what God does. God's ways don't make sense to people who don't have God. Did you hear that? God's ways don't make sense to people who don't have God. We can't expect people who don't have the Holy Spirit to live like they do, right? Right? When I, when I go to my, you know, people in my neighborhood's houses or I'm talking to someone, I don't assume that they have the Holy Spirit in them. Therefore, I don't assume that they talk like I do. Have you ever, have you ever gone to your neighbor's house and it's the F-bombs every other word or whatever as you're doing the cookout with your, your neighbors and you're trying to be a light and try and love people well? And I mean, we've all been there, right? I remember the group of guys I used to work out with, um, before I moved here, I had a group of guys I used to work out with, and I would go early in the mornings. These guys were rough, man. I mean, they were rough. It was ex-military, ex-con, and a drug dealer. And I, you know, I made it a point to be in relationship with these guys. So it, was, it wasn't just bad language, but it was bad topics. I mean, I'm going through this, and, and I'm trying to be a light to them. And, and uh, one, of their, one of them, his wife uh, had a miscarriage, and he came in one day. He said, hey, Matt, I know you're different than we are. Would you pray with me? And God opened up a door. We can be in the world, but not of the world. Love people where they're at. Be the light of Christ. Don't, whatever you do, don't dive into those conversations of, of perversion. But, but talk to them about the truth and about light. Don't expect non-pre-Christians to act like Christians. Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? What's the next line? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. What does that exactly mean? This is really important. What does it mean that we have the mind of Christ? The answer we find in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. 
And it's this. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. There you go. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of his servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself, underline humbled, by becoming obedient, underline under becoming obedient, to the point of death, even death on the cross. This mind of Christ that we have been given is humility and obedience, is a gift. Humility and obedience is a gift from God, from God in us for his good, his glory, his kingdom. It is all for him. Having the mind of Christ means becoming a servant, being obedient, walking in humility, Now we're really getting to the heart of the matter. Remember, Paul's addressing unity in the church. That's kind of our our overarching theme for this whole series. And the foundation is the gospel truth, the good news of Jesus. And the structure being built on that foundation is servanthood, obedience, and humility. What an amazing picture God is giving us to walk out and live out. Don't miss the miracle. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And that it's not dependent on smooth talk or, or, or miracles outside of your spirit working in us through the gospel. Father, we surrender to your word. And we say, do what you want to do in and through us. God, I pray that you would help us be a church that don't miss the miracle of salvation, that we would pursue our neighbors, our friends, our family members that don't know you, that we would introduce them to you. Help us to see the miracle in Jesus' name. Amen.